all these things are noble, great professions if you can keep them inside their box. And that that's the problem that we struggle with, especially on the corporate side of the world. Corporate America is infected sort of with this unsustainable sort of pace. If, if we get caught up in that pace, we're just getting washed about. It's just like the waves keep coming. I know people that mean well and, and hope to grow in their relationship and have a real meaningful and fruitful relationship with Christ and to walk with him daily and try to become more Christ-like that honestly, they just don't have the time or power to do it. I think that it is part of just the culture that we live in. I think that the pace that we have is probably the single greatest impairment to our faith. Jesus's invitation wasn't to get saved, it was to follow him. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I'm so glad you are joining me today for a fantastic conversation with a new friend of mine, Jeffrey Neal. You know, no matter where you work, where you live, what you do, the demands on our time seem to grow as the days pass. And more importantly, the demand for our attention is increasing at an alarming rate. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that these conversations are with normal people, people just like you and me who are raising kids and building careers and trying to figure out how in the world we can follow Jesus in a busy world. And some of them are in ministry and some of them are not. And to be honest, you know this, I know this, both are really challenging these days. In our last episode, my friends and I talked about the practice of slowing down. We think it is absolutely essential in the world we're in. If we continue to move at the pace the world demands for us, then our souls and our connection with God, they're just, they're going to suffer. So if we want the life Jesus offers, life to the full, then we must develop a close connection with God. And the only way, the only way this happens is by slowing down long enough to be present with him, whether that is for five minutes or 50 minutes, or maybe even a longer extended period of time. If you haven't listened to episode five, before you hear this interview, my encouragement is just go back and check that out because we really unpack the tension and the fruit of slowing it down. And we think it's going to be really helpful and a great setup for this conversation today. Now, today, my guest is perhaps the perfect person to talk about slowing down. Jeffrey Neal, he is a really busy guy. He is a husband and a father. And he has worked his tail off to build a successful career as a corporate securities attorney. He's not even 40 years old, and he is a partner at a law firm in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he has even got some public recognition. Uh, In 2018, he was recognized uh, by super lawyers as a rising star. And I met Jeffrey at one of our experiences that we have called Getaway. He came with some friends looking to deepen his connection with God. And for the last year or so, he has been trying to reprioritize his life, doing his best to make space for God, make space for his family, and slow the pace of his life down. And I have watched Jeffrey put some fantastic disciplines in place that have helped him kind of navigate, slowing his life down, being more intentional in his pursuit of God. And what he is experiencing is really, really cool. 
His life is becoming a little bit more settled, a little slower, and he is becoming more present to God and the people around him. And it is so cool to hear what God is doing in his life. In our conversation, we talk about how to move fast and slow at the same time, what it looks like to reorient our lives to the most important priorities. We talk about balancing career and family and faith. And so, friend, if you struggle to slow down in a busy world, you're going to love this conversation. So pull up a chair and listen to this conversation with Jeffrey Neal. Jeffrey, welcome to Free and Light. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're, we're, I'm excited for this conversation um, and been thinking a lot about it. From the very first moment I met you, uh, when you came to Getaway at Haven, I just, like, there's there's a uh, an electricity to you. And maybe it's just the Southern drawl, to be honest with you. <laughs> but no, the, in all I'm seriousness. I'm sure that'll come out today. Yeah, there's an electricity to you. And I just, um, I really enjoyed every conversation we've had and uh, in getting to know you. But so I want to start with this. Uh, let our audience get to know you a little bit. You're in business. You're an attorney, corporate securities attorney. And as I say that, I quickly realize most people in the world do not know what that is. So when I think of a lawyer, particularly corporate America, I think of the TV show Suits. Have you seen that show? I've seen some of it. I don't know if it uh, uh, is the best depiction of the practice of law, but it's a lot different than like (laughs) law and order. I know that's not exactly what you do because, you know, TV is a drama, but just tell our audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do for a living? Think, think of me as a business lawyer. Most of my clients are actually publicly traded companies. So think companies traded on the NASDAQ or NYSE. And I help them with all sorts of things like SEC compliance and reporting and annual meetings. Um, it's pretty boring stuff. There's a reason that they don't make TV shows about guys like me. Uh, but there are a lot of us out there. How did you get into this? I'm actually a first generation college grad. Um, um, you know, I, I wasn't real sure what I wanted to do with my life. I went to undergraduate school at a state school here in Arkansas studied finance. Um, and you of all people are probably very familiar with the concept of personal diversification or diversifying your investment portfolio. And so w- when I was a kid, I just kind of thought about myself as a portfolio and I needed to be diverse. Um, um, you know, not really knowing what I want to do. I didn't know lawyers growing up. I didn't know a lot of other professionals. Again, first generation college grad, I barely knew anybody that had been to college, um, at least in my general circle. Um, and so I studied business and I was just really fascinated with the law. I kind of want to know how things work and you, everything is driven by the law. I hate to say that, uh, um, but thank you even down to the driver's license you have in your pocket or your insurance policies, things like that. I was just really interested in how do things work? And I thought, Hey, why not go to law school, diversify my personal portfolio uh, my skill set and get something that's a real marketable skill. And so that, that's what drove it. To be honest, that's the fancy answer. The, the real answer is I just wanted to avoid th- real life for three more years after college. <laughs> you're starting your law practice. Um, what our audience should probably know is you're married. You've got some kids. How did that impact your family as you're starting to build the practice? I mean, I, I would have re- imagine there's probably a, a dissonance or, you know, there's some tension there between like, Hey, dad's gone. My husband's gone all the time. And, and yet, you know, you, you want to work hard. You want to make this thing happen. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. It, there's a lot of 
tension. So I, I've got a wife and three kids all, you know, under the age of 10 years old. Um, let me put it this way. The law practice is like a river that cannot stay inside of its banks. And honestly, for a long time, it was unsustainable. Um, I realized the how unfair it was for my family that they never knew when I was coming home. And, and I took advantage of it a little bit when the kids were little, because, you know, there wasn't like a lot of dinners around the table. And if there were, there was, it was just a high chair and a kid throwing. Um, but as they got older, it became abundantly clear to me the unfairness of my wife and kids not knowing when dad was coming home. The, the problem in our family was always, where does the day end? When does daddy come home? And how does, how does, how does life work at home, especially on weeknights? Yeah. And I think anybody listening to this feels that tension. I was talking to a friend the other day and um, his wife's having some health struggles of sorts. And, and the, the youngest child was like saying, Hey, you know, why won't mom play with me? And, you know, she's always at work or whatever, whatever the case is. And it's like, man, my kids have said that about me, right? Where's, where's dad at? He's working another late night. Anybody who's just trying to be excellent at their profession knows that tension. Uh, Pastor, plumber, Mm -hmm. attorney, financial advisor, anything, psychologist, you name it. There's this tension with, man, there's a lot going on. And at the same time, I want to put what's most important at the top of the list. What should be at the top of the list is our faith and our relationship with Jesus. What did that pace, you know, that you're describing there, how did that impact your relationship with Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was not good. Um, but in some ways it was because it made me realize this isn't sustainable. And let me be clear. The practice of law is not uh, inherently evil. There's nothing wrong. It's a great profession. It's a great way to make a living. No difference to being a financial advisor or a plumber or pastor, whatever the case. All these things are noble, great professions if you can keep them inside their box. And that that's the problem that we struggle with, especially on the corporate side of the world. Corporate America is infected sort of with this unhealthy and again, seeming like un- unsustainable sort of pace. Um, and, and so if, if we get caught up in that pace, we're fighting against that. I mean, we're just getting washed about. Now let's get back to my river. It's just like the waves keep coming. And so even, I, I know wonderful people, myself included. I'm, no, I can't say I'm a wonderful person, but I know people that mean well and, and hope to grow in their relationship and have a real uh, um, meaningful and fruitful relationship with Christ and to walk with him daily and try to become more Christ-like that honestly they just don't have the time or power to do it. And it's because, and I, and I can't blame them. I don't want to blame the victims, if you will. I think that it is part of just the culture that we live in. I, I, I think that the pace that we have is probably the single greatest impairment to our faith journey. I, I think it's what the enemy sort of uses against us. Hurry is the greatest enemy to the spiritual life. And um, I, I really deeply believe that. We've talked about that quite a bit on the podcast. And in the culture that we live in, we all know that because exactly what you're saying, Jeffrey, it's like the world's not going to stop. It's an unsustainable pace. And it is a detriment if we don't put it in check, if we don't put some boundaries, if we don't practice slowing. 
Um, so I, I, I totally get it. Um, it. It's interesting just to turn the conversation just a little bit. You came to one of our experiences last fall. I would just love to know because, you know, we take your phone away from you for 48 hours or, or ask you to put it away anyway. And, um, and it's a slow pace. Um, but just tell us a little bit about your experience um, because you've been on this journey of trying to kind of rearrange parts of your life, reorganize your life a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that experience and just what God's been doing in you as you're trying to put some boundaries and, and move at a slower pace. Yeah, well, and let me set the stage a little bit. As you said, I know you've been on a journey. Obviously, we've talked about it, but maybe the listeners haven't heard that. So so getting getting back to it was unsustainable and I've got this family. You, you and I and lots of people we know talk about creating rhythm and, and pace and, and finding the right time in your life and having a good balance of your schedule. Why would you trade what you were uniquely cr- created to do to do something that anybody can do? And, and really and truly, and I'll tell you this, as a lawyer who has good clients, hopefully none of them listen to this, there's a lot better lawyers out there. There, anybody can be a lawyer, Tim. You could go back to law school right now and be a better lawyer than me. But why would I trade being wife, or husband to my wife and father to my kids, the thing that I was uniquely created by God to do for something that anybody could do? Mm. I had been under this pressure, this sort of this unworkable schedule. I was putting more time into work than my family. And it wasn't even because I was motivated by it. God, I'll give you 40 to 45 hours. And I know that sounds crazy for a lot of people, especially if you hit a clock every week or have a fixed schedule dictated by your employer. And um, so I, th- I, that's where I was probably 18 months before I came to get away. So I just wanted to just mm-hmm. pause there and say, we are called to work hard. We're called to do a good job in our profession. So you're on this thinking of like, okay, I'm going to give you 40, 45 hours. Then you come to get away. Tell us a little bit about that. I've, I've really felt stagnant sort of in my spiritual growth. But I was really struggling with, I, I'm, I live on this, this treadmill of a work existence. And because of that, I was a, not the best husband, not the best dad. And most importantly, I was not the best Christ follower. I was not growing sort of in my Christ likeness. And so I thought, man, we've got to do something. Like I've got to put work in a box. I went from every day was a fire drill and I never knew when I was coming home. But when you really back up from it and you have what I call typical days, where you can really work that that fixed start time to stop time. Those exceptions, those three or four hours you're talking about a week, there's like 12 to 24 of those a year, not five of those per week, because that's right. what I was doing before. Right. Um, so, so I've been working this work thing, and then, okay, well, but I'm still not doing well at home. I'm still not doing well on my personal journey. And so, so one, I was excited to go to get away. I wasn't even really sure what I was getting into. I just you know I wasn't going to have work with me, and I wasn't going to have my family with me. Um, and for the first time in as many years as I could remember, I might actually slow down. I believe that God showed up there for me, showing me a lot more about what I needed with respect to spiritual disciplines in my life, slowing down, taking some time, some quietness, some stillness to my body, mind, and soul. And then ultimately taking advantage of the gifts he's given me, like the Sabbath to try to continue one, not only to work on my personal pace, teach my children about it so that they're prepared. As, as prepared can be for the world when, when they leave my home and, you know, trying to love on my wife through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember you sitting around the campfire. I think it was on the second night and campfire is a sacred place at, at any of 
of our experiences and a little bit vulnerable and transparent. And one of the things you were saying around that um, is just simply, I don't know exactly what to do next. There's a lot rising up inside of me. And you're like, I just, I got a lot to think about, I think is one of the phrases that you used. You shared a lot about what you just said there is like, I got to slow down. I got to create some personal space. So I'll, you keep using this word practices, which anybody listening to this podcast knows that's, I mean, that's what this podcast is built around is the practices that Jesus modeled for us. Uh, slowing is one of them. So I want to ask you like, what, what other things are you doing to slow down from the pace that you were living at? We have started thinking a lot more about our rhythm and, and not just necessarily our daily rhythm, but then also our weekly rhythm, our monthly, and even our, our sort of quarter. So we, we've spent a lot more time together on Sunday afternoons. We kind of sit down and look at the family calendar and think about, you know, what, what, cause at the end of the day, like you and I have said, you can't stop life, right? There's still kids' birthday parties that, and half of them are on our, are on the day we've designated the Sabbath for our family yep. where we can try to slow down and just rest. And, and, um, um, you know, we haven't quite figured out, we have not figured out how to manage that. If I'm being honest, like, again, for all the listeners out there, give yourself some grace in this. It's they're called practices for a reason. It's like what I say about the law practice. You never really allow That's why we call it the law practice. It just, takes time it just takes energy um um and it's a marathon it is not a sprint so keep that in mind but so that that we've spent a lot of time thinking about how we use our time um me personally you know i've i try to have daily sabbaths of morning you, you know a lot of people refer to it as quiet time but i've gotten to the point where i try to get up really early uh, i've always been the earliest riser in my house but i've added about 30 minutes to that um so i sit down i've been using uh, John Eldridge's pod, Paul's app. I love that. I, I think I even heard uh, uh, somebody on on three their three three favorite things recommend that. So it, it's been good for me too. I'm trying to slow down. I have some quiet time to myself. I have some study time to myself. Uh, journaling is something I've never done before. That's that's life giving. If I can actually sit at the desk rather than at a really comfy chair sitting next to the desk, I've really enjoyed that. Um, I mean, I, I've been journaling for about ten years. And I don't feel right if I don't write something in that journal every single day. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have been like, I am not writing in a diary. I would have literally used those words. But now I'm like, there's something so rich. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing that. Like what's, what's been the fruit of that practice for you? If you don't write it down, it's hard to remember. So like answered prayers or I, I'm wholly convinced that, that, God speaks to us one, you know, through dreams and through and speaks to us directly, but especially through other people. Like, you know, I listen to Tim Keller sermons a lot. I, I just got on the treadmill. I'm listening to this Tim Keller sermon and it's exactly what I was praying about. And if it wasn't for that journal, I don't write those things down. And so again, a, a practice I, I, I just developed, um, I'm, I'm perfecting it. I have not arrived, but man, it's been so life giving to actually write yeah. it down. And what I have learned is that those spiritual disciplines are how we take those beliefs, those academic beliefs that we truly have in belief, and we literally drive those down through the practices into really change character. I'm not saying you need it to be saved. I think that happens the day that you're born again. Mm -hmm. But how do you mature and become more Christ-like? I am convinced through my study and my practices that it's the only way that you really, that the beliefs turn into change character and drive you towards more Christ-like. And it is why we say around sequel, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. It, it, but the interesting thing is, it, it doesn't mean you're not saved. 
what hangs in the balance is life to the full. And I think that's actually one of the main reasons why people don't want to be Christians in America is because they look at us and we're angry and there's no fruit in our life because we're not living the life Jesus offers. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. They're like, they believe a certain thing, but their life doesn't look like the thing they say they believe. And that is the disconnect both in our lives uh, and in America and culturally we see it. I mean, we really see it. And so I think what you just said is super important is like, well, what's the pathway, if you will, to go from this is what I believe I know about God to then knowing him, the pathway, it's the spiritual disciplines, it's the spiritual practices. And slowing is a huge component in that because if we don't slow down, it's really hard to know God. While we know to fight for space and while we know to fight for balance and margin in a slower pace, you know, the world just continually asks things of us. And now we have these choices we've got to make around, like, do we let this thing in our schedule or not? But so I want to ask you, like, you're, you're putting all these practices in place. You're getting up, you're spending time, you're figuring out a way to put Sabbath in your life and that sort of thing, but it's not easy. So what have the challenges been over the last five or six months? Well, the, the challenge is just what you said. Like I, I came back from, from getaway and you step right back into the stream of life that you know is going to be there. And having done some other experiences and things like that, I knew that you've got to be careful when you get back that you don't think that the the, the grass is not greener when you get back. I, the one thing I haven't done the best during the day, even though my pause app gives me a reminder to stop for a second, I, I end up spending about 12 hours before I, you know, some, some days, if I'm on calls and things like that, before I've ever said another prayer. And by then my sort of tank is empty and I need that to be recharged. Cause when I don't, I come home and I'm an awful dad and I'm an awful husband. Right. But boy, if I could do that all day, that reminds me so that a lot of like this week has been awful for me. Uh, work is tough and, and, and nothing bad has happened, but um, I've got a big project coming that is going to really challenge my ability to keep that work, that typical work week, 40 to 50 hours or whatever it is. And so instantly I feel the world pushing back against me trying to fight for my rhythm, trying to keep that river between its banks. Jesus, like, dude, I know you're in control. Mm -hmm. I need you here. This is those very times when I can't handle this stuff. But if you go a week, if I go 14 days without having that quiet time or my prayer time or my Bible time, just that time to slow down. It's not that I forget about him, but boy, I just drift real distance from him. And when I have those crises of moment or big things in life, boy, it's sure hard to get back to him because you're like, you, you almost find yourself you're like, man, I, I used to do something in these moments. And it was to call out to Jesus. And that's what you mean. Well, and that's what I, I sort of think about my relationship with Jesus a little bit like a marriage. You know, I, I am committed to my wife for the rest of our lives. And I know that if I went 14 days without speaking to her, and yet we're living in the same house. So I want you to think about that because Jesus right. is always as close as your breath, right? As a whisper, that, that's what the scripture says, right? So if I lived in the same house and we were rubbing shoulders and we were making dinner together, we sit down, we have a meal together and I get up and I have my coffee and I didn't say a word to her for 14 days. How close are we really? And by the way, we're going to drift apart. And by the way, are we going to stay married? Am I going to still want to be with her? Is she still going to want to be with me 30 years from now? No way. We would never do that with our spouses or our friends. And why do it with Jesus? Well, so that's like uh, all analogies eventually break down. And that's exactly where it breaks down, right? Right. My point is I think about it that way to just say, 
what is my connection to God like, right? So think about it this way. Like in the middle of the day, if my wife calls, I'm going to pick up the phone and be like, hey, do you need anything? Nope, we're good. Okay, can't wait to see you tonight. So that's that little breath prayer you were talking about earlier. Like Jesus would just lead me. It's just a check-in of like, I love you. Um, I'm going to pause in just a few minutes and we're going to spend five minutes together before I go into the next thing. But in the meantime, just I just want you to know, I, I see you, I love you. And the closer we get to him, the more he's doing this. We, he, he's always doing it. But the more we hear him doing the same thing, like, hey, Jeffrey, I'm really proud of you. You did really good in that moment. Keep going. Like it's, we got to tune our ears to it. And I, that abundant life he's talking about, that being more Christ-like. But before I was just a baby constantly coming back to the same things of, you know, whatever it is that we deal with uh, um, in the faith. And yeah. I couldn't get to that next level. Yeah. Well, it's been exciting. Uh, you know, we're new friends. I haven't known you that long, but it's been exciting just to get a small peek in to your journey and see what God's done just in the last six months. And that's, I guess, our encouragement uh, for for our friends listening is like, you know, the change that has happened in your life in the last six months. I mean, you talked about the last two years and it's been a process, but specifically the last six months has been pretty remarkable. And I think that's the encouragement for me is, you know, it is a long journey. You said it's a marathon. You're exactly right. But so much can happen in six days and six weeks and in six months. And you can wake up six months later and say, holy cow, I am sensing Jesus in my life and he is changing part of my story and my heart to be more like his son, Jesus. And I just think that's, that is the hope and that, that we can find that, that we can experience life to the full. I just, I love it. So I want to end, end this way. I want you to just take a peek out two years in your life. What are you hoping for uh, as you look out two years in your life? Like, who do you want to become? What are you hoping your life looks like from a spiritual component, like at a heart level? I pray that if nothing else has changed, that's a good thing. And here's what I mean. This rhythm that I've had for the last six months, if I'm still doing this 18 months from now, I know that just in the six months, it's been so fruitful. I can only imagine where I will be 18 months from now, right? Or two years from now. And so so my real goal would just to be slow and steady wins the race. Again, it's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I, I, I would pray that I continue to, to dig deeper into the discipline. I pray that um, I would keep up these practices that I've learned to love because what I have learned about myself, I'm easily derailed. Um, So I just want to stay disciplined and I want to stay faithful to my practices because I actually know that we serve a just and faithful God that he'll continue to find me in that moment. And I'll continue to dig deep. If I keep doing it, I know that this, this, this thing of justice, for example, that's been on my heart lately, I'll just continue to drive it down into my soul. And, and honestly, start looking more like Jesus than I ever have. I was just the saved guy that was knowing this stuff, but I want to know him and, and I want people to see him through me. Um, but th- then on a real practical level, I'm hoping that the pace at work looks totally different. I'll be, I'll be three or four years into my, my, my strategy of trying to put it in its box and its place, uh, maybe doing something different or less of what I'm currently doing, but um, loving every minute. I feel like the Lord is working on me and is trying to prepare me something for in the future. Let me encourage you friend as, as we, as we wrap up here, my guess is it's just a guess that the more you pursue him, 
uh, I love your answer. I just want to be slow and steady. I just want to spend time with him. I just want him to do whatever he wants me to do and make me more, more like Jesus. My guess is the more you do that, um, the more he will shape you into who he has created you to be. And mm-hmm. uh, my guess is there's something real special in store for you. And maybe it's around justice. Maybe it's around something else. Maybe it's just being an amazing attorney and dad and husband and father and follow, follower of Jesus. Uh, but what I do know is the closer we get to him, the more we end up looking like our true self. And and I see that on the horizon for you. So appreciate you sharing, appreciate you encouraging us. And, um, you know, we might just have you back at some point. Again, we'll have to apologize to Bill. We get, we'll have to split this one up into three podcast uh, uh, sections here. But, hey, let me, let me push back on one thing you said. You kept saying, I guess. My guess is this. Um, I don't think you have to guess because the Bible is abundantly clear. If we do these things, we'll become more. I mean, Jesus' invitation wasn't to get saved. It was to follow him. And if you follow him and you lean into his ways, it, it doesn't have to be a guess. The Bible is abundantly clear. This is what will happen for us. And, and you're right. It may be justice. I may be doing great things two years from now. Or I may just be a regular suburban dad. And that's okay. I trust him. I'm patient with him. Um, um, and I think he's just going to do whatever he want, has planned for my life, and I'm ready to lean into that. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.